Welcome to the Blind Justice Podcast, where you discover the insider secrets of injury and accident cases, and all of your law questions get answered. Now, here's your host, Chicago injury lawyer, Scott DeSalvo. Hey guys, here we are back again with another podcast, and it's your favorite injury lawyer, Scott DeSalvo, broadcasting from the palatial studios of the conference room in my law office. Um... It's been a little while since I've done a podcast, but I'm excited to tell you that today we've got a uh, chiropractic physician, Dr. Scott Fladland, in studio here, and we'll be interviewing him in a little bit. I'm pretty excited about it because I think it's a great opportunity for all of you folks to hear some stuff that a, a uh, you know a doc has to say about uh, you know chiropractic practice, medicine, injuries, and frankly, I'm going to exploit this opportunity to ask him questions because I never went to medical school. I never took anatomy. Uh, all the medicine I know is just from practicing law. And I, uh, anytime I can have any sort of medical professional, whether it be a surgeon, a chiropractor, physical therapist, nurse, uh, I love to get them sort of off the clock and off duty because there's all these questions you have when you represent injured people in a, in a case, and you don't have much opportunity to learn uh, the details of the medicine. So when you can get a character like Dr. Fladland, you know, off the clock and uh, ask him some questions, it's always a great opportunity. Great opportunity for you, too, because he, uh, I think he's a great communicator, knows a lot, and uh, I'm excited to have him here in the studio. So without further ado... Let's bring in Dr. Scott Fladland. Doc, welcome to the studio. How are you doing? Very good, Counselor. Thank you for that uh, very gracious introduction. Uh, It's not that often that I get that uh, warm of a welcome. Thank you. Well, yeah, I guess probably the people who walk into your... uh, office are sick or in pain, so they're probably not that friendly. Pain is a wonderful motivator. Um, You know, can I just shamelessly play a sound effect for you? Certainly. It really has nothing to do with medicine or anything. I just have been dying to use a sound effect like this in a podcast. Let's see if you know what movie it's from. How's your law practice? Not too good. I only got the one client. I love movies. I don't know what that's from. I got you stumped. I just watched it again. It's uh, Paul Newman in The Verdict. Oh, okay. You know, I've got all these uh, these sound effects that I prepared for the uh, the podcast, but I never have an opportunity to use them. So uh, sorry for derailing the interview. Thank you so much for coming in and agreeing to talk today. Thank you for the invitation. So um, I'll tell you what. Why don't you uh, – I'm going to ask you some questions here and – you can pretty much talk about whatever you think would benefit, you know, just regular people who aren't doctors and aren't aren't uh, lawyers. And, you know, I want people, you know, I try to educate people and have a little fun on the podcast. So I'm going to ask you some questions, but don't feel like you're locked in, right? So this is not like uh, I'm going to be uh, cross-examined by opposing counsel and uh, there people are going to be jumping up and calling me names and doing all sorts of other things? Well, I mean, look, I'm not going to swear you in, but I, I'm willing to call you names if you'd like. <laughs> okay. Do I pay extra for that? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we should keep the name calling after the podcast. Okay. Very good. We'll see how you do. Um, so can you start off with, you know, I, I think I'll, 
most people have heard chiropractor. They know what a chiropractor is. Can you tell me a little bit about chiropractic and how a chiropractic practice is different than like seeing a medical doctor? Okay. The, um, I'm going to, for this conversation, I'm going to keep most of this limited to the way that a chiropractic physician operates in a uh, injury situation, whether it's motor vehicle or if it's going to be work-related. Understand just for background, there are many chiropractic physicians never see injured people. Uh, they do all sorts of other types of treatment for other types of, of um, issues. Uh, with it, when it's related to a injury, uh, the chiropractic physician is going to take a look at the patient from a musculoskeletal viewpoint. What can they not do that they used to be able to do? How did they get injured? Uh, were they thrown through a plate glass window, barroom fight, uh, thrown through the windshield of a car, run over by an 18-wheeler? Um, and instead of just prescribing medication, uh, the chiropractic physician will take a structural viewpoint, uh, get whatever diagnostic imaging needs to be taken care of, x-ray, CT, MRI, rare cases, PET scans, and uh, we'll work with them from a chiropractic standpoint, working with them from a structural standpoint, maybe nutritional, to help the tissues that have been injured to heal, chiropractors, myself included. I work with a lot of other types of practitioners, including orthopedic surgeons, neurologists, pain management physicians, sometimes even with physical therapists if we have to do some reconditioning. The primary treatment that a chiropractic physician uses is called a chiropractic manipulation. Um, it's the uh, part where the patient will discuss that, they're, that they can feel their bones are being cracked. Um, and the terminology is called a chiropractic adjustment the joints don't move the way that they're supposed to move. They are not broken, but their ligaments are not working the way they're supposed to. The tendons aren't working the way they're supposed to. The muscles are not working the way they're supposed to. We will work with them to make that function the way that it should. Yeah, you got me where I wanted to go. It seems like, I mean, I guess we should tell the audience that uh, you actually treated me when I had some neck and shoulder problems. Okay, well, that's good because now we've handled all of those privacy issues. Right, HIPAA is uh, complied with. But uh, I'm, I guess I feel like I'm sort of putting my money where my mouth is by you know, letting the, the folks know that I actually went to you for care myself. Seems like chiropractors are very into what sort of like alignment are the bones in and then like uh, – the connective tissue and soft tissues of the body. Is that, am I in the ballpark there? Yes. Okay. Yeah. One of the things that chiropractors get accused of, uh, and it's usually put in a negative spin, but chiropractors are taking care of soft tissue injuries. Yes, we take care of soft tissue injuries because it's the soft tissues that hold the bones in place where they're supposed to be so they don't pinch on the nerves and cause all of these other problems. So just because you have a, don't have a broken bone doesn't mean you're not hurt. Uh, it usually means that you're probably hurt more. And when I get accused of only taking care of soft tissue injuries, so 
when somebody's having a heart attack, what bone is have a problem? That is a soft tissue injury. Is a heart attack, is that a serious injury? Yes. Well, it, and the brain and your eyes are so all soft tissue as well, right? Well, thank you for making my case. I appreciate that. <laughs> Yet more evidence that this is not adversarial. Um, I remember, you know, over the years I've taken uh, chiropractor's depths. You guys do a hell of a lot of schooling, and you have the same anatomy like the, I got into detail with one guy one time. Frankly, I don't remember whether it was a DEP or whether we were at a social event and I was talking to the guy. The curriculum for a medical doctor in a Cairo, a lot of it is the same stuff. The medical doctor, I think they have uh, 10 years uh, and then a specialty chiropractic physicians, four years of undergraduate, five years of chiropractic school. So that's at nine, and then if you want to specialize and do radiology or do orthopedics, you can go on and you can specialize as well. So difference might be a year at the most, but we have to we know the same anatomy. Your anatomy is the same as mine, although parts of mine are larger than yours. Boom, boom. <laughs> Only because I weigh more than you. But um, the uh, um, we also have to understand, uh, we call it toxicology and chiropractic. Uh, in medicine, it's the understanding of the drugs and how they interact with the body. My patients, when I see them, many times they're on medication. I need to know what those medications are, what they are designed to do for the body, and what the upside and what the downside of that is. I don't prescribe the medication. I do not take patients off of medication, but I have to understand why they're taking it and what's trying to be what is what is trying to be altered. Cool. You know, I'm probably a terrible interviewer. I uh, I guess we should introduce you a little bit too, though. Uh, you didn't just start uh, your chiropractic practice last week, right? No. Okay. So can you tell us a little bit, like, why did you go into chiropractic? How long you've been doing it? Where's your office? Who, what kind of patients do you focus on? Okay. Um, I am downtown Chicago in the loop. Uh, I've been down here for 30 years. Um, I uh, see patients Monday through Friday. Uh, I see mostly musculoskeletal problems, although not all of the people in my um, practice are musculoskeletal. Uh, and as I stated previously, other chiropractors see things other than musculoskeletal. In my case, that's what I pretty much limit myself to. If I have somebody that needs something else, I'll send them to another chiropractor. Also, in my toolbox are medical physicians and also uh, physical therapists. They're all just a part of the bag of tricks that I work with. Um, the reason I got into chiropractic, I was, I'm originally from Wisconsin. Yeah, hey there, yeah. You know, the land of cheese up there, yeah. Hey there, ho there, yeah, hey, hey. <laughs> Yes, so you've been there too. And uh, my father was a chiropractor for about 48, 40, 48 or 49 years. When I was looking at what I wanted to do for a quotation marks real job, I had an uncle that was a thoracic surgeon, didn't like it, his patients died. All right. I looked at what my dad did, grew up around it. You know what? His patients didn't die 
from what he was doing, and he helped a lot of people. So then it was like, oh man, where do I want to? Where do, do I want to live in Milwaukee? Do I want to live in Sheboygan, yeah, hater, or Kohler, yeah, hater? So I came to Chicago to go to school, fell in love with this town, and she, Chicago is, it's a small town, it's a big city, but there are, everybody knows everybody else, and if you're good at what you do, most people know that you're good at what you do. If you're not good at what you do, word gets around about that as well. So it's a big city with a small town attitude, and I like that. Yeah. Okay, that's great. We're going to take a commercial break now, and we'll be back again with Dr. Fladland in just a minute or two. Well, we're back with Dr. Fladland, and let's talk brass tacks, okay? All right. How many, like what percent of your people have neck and back? Uh, see, the reason I'm asking you this question is a lot of the people, uh, probably half my practice is car crash cases, and the vast majority of my car crash cases are a neck or a back only, or a neck and a back along with somebody banging their head or shoulder or knee, but... There's this common car crash deal in my practice where we get a lot of neck and back injuries. So I'm curious, what percentage of your practice is is neck and back? From car crash, uh, a, a large portion is neck and back. Uh, but because people are in different types of positions during the crash, we just wind up seeing shoulders, knees, uh, ankle, uh, wrist. When the airbags deploy on the car, uh, if the patient is hanging on to the steering wheel, when that airbag uh, deploys, it's going to wind up tearing the person's arms and hands away from the steering wheel. If the patient has their thumb hooked in the steering wheel and the airbag goes off, they're going to wind up with sprained thumbs, sprained fingers. doesn't sound like much unless it's your right hand and you depend on your right hand to make a living. Right, if you're right hand dominant. And then you can't do your job. That becomes very real. But we've got this common denominator in these crashes of neck and back. So, I mean, we're dealing with the spine, right? And I just wonder if you can talk a little bit about the structure of the spine and why is it that, you know, we see a lot of neck and back injuries in car crashes. Okay. The Well, what's happening during the crash? If... Uh, Let's take an example where somebody is restrained and they're hit from the rear. Well, the first thing that's going to happen is the patient is going to wind up moving backward in the seat and they don't break the seat. So what happens is the seat winds up loading up kind of like a cocked gun. Then as the collision starts to stop, strange concept, but as the vehicle stops moving, the patient is being thrown forward because of the G-forces inside of the vehicle, plus the seat did not break, so all of it loaded up like a giant spring, and now it is throwing the patient against the restraints. 
So the patient is being thrown against the restraints. It's putting a tremendous load on the lumbar spine on the low back, and the neck is being thrown forward, and those are 33 bones. They're fairly small. They're held together by ligaments, and they stretch, so you wind up stretching those ligaments. Ligaments are not meant to be stretched, and uh, kind of like, uh, <laughs> like the elastic in your underwear. You can take the elastic and you can stretch it so far, but if you go beyond that, you start to tear those ligaments and they don't always bounce back the way that they're supposed to. And from between each of those vertebrae, you're going to have nerves that exit the spine and they're going to go out into your arms, into your legs, down to your hands, down to your feet. And it's not uncommon when people get numbness, tingling down into their arms, into their hands, into their feet, into their legs. Nothing's wrong with that part of the body, but they stretch the nerves, and that's causing a lot of problems. So it's actually the nerves being pinched or injured a little bit. Correct. I mean, one of the things I get into it, I fight with defense attorneys sometimes, about an MRI that doesn't show like a clear nerve impingement. I always feel like, look, man, it's it's not uh, binary, right? It's not yes or no. It's degree, right? Correct. I mean, can't you have uh, an MRI that shows a nerve root that, that doesn't look like it's been compromised, but there's still uh, the nerve being pinched a little bit that's causing some tingling? Yes. And that's, the question is always, okay, so it doesn't show up on an MRI. Is it real? The answer is, yes, it's real, even when people have that pain rating, we'll use the arm, pain rating down the arm, numbness, tingling, skin is crawling, those types of activities. The MRI many times will come up negative. That's actually a good thing for the patient because you know that this is going to, should resolve somewhat within a reasonable amount of time. When you see those other types of lesions, those other types of injuries that you were talking about, outcomes for the case are going to start going downhill, and instead of the patient getting better six weeks, eight weeks, 10 weeks, 12 weeks, now you're going to get into six months to a year of treatment, and that's more devastating. So having a negative MRI is a positive thing for the patient, does not mean that they're not injured but it does mean that it's not going to be as bad of an of an injury. The other thing that the doctor can do to help to further illuminate what the injury is, you can have MRIs performed with the neck bent forward or with the neck bent backwards. The way that an MRI is usually taken, the neck is just in a straight position. As soon as you take the neck and you bend it forward, if you've stretched some of those ligaments, which probably won't show up in just a neutral MRI. It will start showing up in some of the x-rays and it'll start showing up in the MRI because instead of the spine bending forward or backwards smoothly, it's going to look like stair-stepping. So you can actually do like uh, an MRI or an x-ray without the neck just in the neutral position. You can do it where somebody's head is a little bit forward or a little bit back, yeah? Yes. And then just because the bones and everything is in alignment when somebody's head is straight up, if they go forward with their head a little bit and the ligaments are stretched, 
the bones are going to look out of place. That's correct. And that's how you know the ligaments are stretched. Correct. Yeah. I, I wish everyone on a jury on every case I handle understood that. Uh, I, I don't know if you're aware of it. You might be. But insurance companies uh, really don't like the – what do you call those? Positional x-rays or – Flexion extension. Yeah. They're – they hate them. They're, they atti- well, my why, experience, why do they hate them? It costs them money. Why does it cost them money? Because injured people get compensated if we can prove to juries that it's a real injury. Very good. Right, yep. right. So. Yeah. It's unfortunate. You know, I, I went to a seminar where a guy was talking about the flexion extension x-rays, and it, you know, it made a lot of sense to me. But um, a lot of times doctors kind of go with the flow. If, if, and I could be wrong. I mean, this is just my experience. I feel like sometimes doctors are, uh, are hesitant to fight some of these battles, or maybe it's just that it's hard to find attorneys that are willing to fight the battle and force the insurance company to uh, accept legitimacy of this stuff by going to, going to verdict on cases where you rely on a, on a flexion extension x-ray. Well, the other thing is, well, I shouldn't say the problem. One of the issues is in the emergency room, uh, you have to understand what the emergency room doctor, the only thing that the emergency room doctor cares about, are you going to live or are you going to die? Other than that, they just want to get you out of there. It's the job of the second doctor to take a look at those x-rays. Okay, so uh, nothing is broken, doesn't mean that they're not injured, do the exam, you know what, this patient is going to benefit from having a flexion extension exercise. It's going to help to prove that there's a problem. Uh, and it, the doctor has to be willing to fight for the patient, for the patient's rights. Um, not every attorney wants to do that. Not every, now, my job when I'm doing this, and if you're a plaintiff counsel, if you're the, pay, if you're the attorney for the doctor, or if, I'm sorry, if you're the attorney for the patient, it's my job to give you credible evidence that you can defend the patient. So, and you can get the patient the type of settlement that they need. Yeah. If the doctor's not willing to do that, it makes your job really tough. I go, but you know, honestly, it, it's a, a rare insight that you have that you even understand that. Uh, and I, I tend not to blame doctors. I, I presume that anyone who went into medicine wants to treat patients. They don't want to spend their time in depositions and spend their time at trial. So, you know, I, I get a lot of docs who kind of don't want to talk to me or don't want to, you know, don't want to relate the car crash or, you know, whatever it is, or they don't want to even tell me that their own bills are reasonable. Um, I kind of understand where they're coming from because being involved in litigation for a doctor can be like a pretty unpleasant experience. On the flip side, it makes it doubly great for me to talk to guys like you who sort of understand it. I can't prove I can't put in any evidence at trial. I have to rely on the doctor to relate the injury to, you know, the cause of of uh of the uh I have I have to rely on a doctor to relate the car crash to the injury, is my point, and then explain why the findings prove that there is an injury, right? That's correct. Yeah, sometimes you have to make sure a primary care physician may not be the best person 
to treat an injury patient, and especially with a lot of the changes that have occurred in workman's compensation. There are so many ducks that you have to have in a row when it comes to doing workman's compensation. It's even with more... With like the AMA guidelines and all that stuff? Oh, yeah. And how did the accident occur? And they even get into, say it's a... Uh, 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 a bus operator or it's somebody who drives a truck, you need to know what route they were on, what, what, um, what, uh, who it was reported to. You have to have all of, everything has to be lined up and it has to make sense. Whereas if it's, even with a car accident uh, person, you need to know where the accident happened, where in the city, where the, pay, where the vehicle was struck. Did they hit anything inside of the vehicle? If you have four people in one car and they are involved in a motor vehicle collision, not every person in that car is going to have the same injuries. If you have that happen for me, that's a huge red flag. You have somebody that's behind the steering wheel. Well, they're going to be have to deal with the steering wheel. If you have somebody in the back seat and they're not wearing a safety belt, they're going to have another issue. If the if your patient is in the death seat, which is the pass the front passenger seat, they're going to have a whole bunch of other issues. That's a great point, you know, and I think a lot of people don't think about it that much. You you can take four people in a car crash take four other people, same car, same cr- kind of crash, all four of them could have injuries or none of them could have injuries. But if all four of them have injuries, they're not going to have identical injuries. It's very unlikely. Correct. Um, you know, I, I, I wanted to talk to you a little bit about how the spine is sort of a great system for shock absorbing um, vertically but not horizontally. But I, I think that you did a pretty good job of that when you were explaining, like, the whiplash forces. You know, you've got your vertebrae set and then discs in between the vertebrae as shock absorbers. That's great when you're bouncing up and down walking or jogging. Not so great when you get a horizontal or lateral force on the neck or, or back. Uh, that is correct. We have all now, instead of being straight forward and backward, which the spine is designed to move very simply forward and backward, those are your greatest ranges of motion. When you bend left to right sideways, you have the ranges of motion are about one-half to one-third of what they are going uh, forward and backward. Plus, there are a lot of little joints that are in between uh, that are up above and below the disc that are basically designed to move forward and backward only. Now if you start taking them and you're going left to right, right to left, you're going to put extra strain on those. Each of those joints, in between each vertebrae, you have a disc, a jelly-filled donut, and then each one of those joints that allow you to move forward and backward, those are are fluid-filled joints. So when you take and you start moving left to right, now you're going to stretch the joint capsule on one side, you're going to compress it on the other side. So now you have same vertebrae, you have two different injuries on the left side versus the right side of the spine, yeah. which makes it even more challenging. Yeah. Well, Doc, I uh, I see where I don't mean to cut you off, but I and I actually have probably half a dozen more questions for you, but I see that we're running out of time. So, you know, before we go, uh, how can people reach you if if they want to talk to you? Uh, best way is my phone, 
346-7313. And your last name is spelled F as in Frank, L-A-N-D-L-A-N-F-L-A-D-L-A-N-D. Very good on the second attempt. Okay. Yeah, well, you know. I've been called worse, especially by my wife. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> well, look, Doc, thanks again for coming in. I really appreciate it, folks. Dr. Flatland. Well, guys, I hope you appreciated that conversation with Dr. Fladland. It's, uh, I mean, the guy is a wealth of information, and he helps people just like you've been involved in an accident. If you've been hurt or even if you haven't been involved in an accident, you need Cairo care or you have a question, I'm sure Dr. Fladland be happy to answer your questions, and you can tell he's a, he's a great guy. Hoping to have him back so we can get to some, some more of this stuff. As usual, when I'm talking to the guy, time just flies. So thanks for listening. We'll have another podcast ready for you next week. Uh, By the grace of God, maybe Fladland will come back and do a little more talking. And uh, thanks for watching. Or, well, I guess thanks. Uh, Thanks for listening, I guess is what I should say. So thanks again. Thanks for listening. I truly hope that the information in the podcast helps you no matter the situation you find yourself in. But you might need more answers or some more direct help. So there are three ways for you easily to find out more and to get help. If you call my toll-free 24-hour helpline, 888-HURT-318, you'll have a couple of options. 888-HURT-318 is my toll-free 24-hour telephone line. You can call that number and speak with my team night or day. First, you can call 888-HURT-318, and you can speak to me for a free consultation about your case or situation. That's always free and no obligation. Second, you can tell the operator that you'd like a free copy of my injury DVD and book. I created the DVD and book, and I give it away for free to injured people who need answers but who might not be ready to talk to a lawyer yet. Same deal, 100% free, 100% no obligation. Third and finally, you can check out my YouTube channel for informative videos about the injury case and claims process. Or check out my other podcasts for more information and interesting interviews with people who know different things about various aspects of the law. I've put all of this together to help you and to answer your questions. Now, you can also help me, and I hope that you will. If you enjoyed the podcast and if it helped you at all, please subscribe. And if you can, take a minute and please post a positive review of the show. If you're listening to the podcast on YouTube, like the video and subscribe to my YouTube channel. And if you know anyone who might enjoy the podcast, please spread the word and share it on Facebook. It's my mission to spread good information to as many people as possible. And your liking and reviewing and subscribing to the podcast helps me get the word out. Thanks again. This podcast is for informational and entertainment purposes only. It doesn't substitute for consulting with a lawyer. If you have a case, speak with a lawyer right away. Mm